Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel is out today for the Jewish holiday, but uh, I'm here with you because the market stops for no one or nothing. So it'll be uh, Dennis and myself with you uh, for the hour today. Our guest is Christian Feinhurst from Tribeca Trader Group. He will stop by 8.35, spend a few minutes with us. But we got a lot to talk about today. We got some mergers that are interesting. We got some ratings that are interesting. We have a COVID uh, drug trial headline that is interesting. Uh, a lot to get to on the show. Um, as far as what we're doing this morning, well, we're green pretty much everywhere. We're green in the, uh, the S&P futures, which is, you know, all that I'm looking at here. Uh, gold is gold is flat. Uh, oil is up and then Bitcoin is whatever. Bitcoin is Bitcoin's up. Bitcoin's up too. So we're green across the board. Thanks to China, perhaps. So we've got some good economic data from them uh, overnight. Um, Dennis, buy the dip. Always seems to work. Always seems to work. Yeah, and I was skeptical. I was like, we need to hold this 320. It's critical. We did hold it Thursday, and we kind of closed okay on Thursday, bouncing off of it once again. But then on Friday, they came with their buying shoes on, and they did not stop. They kind of tried to take it down to that 320 support on SPY. They couldn't get there. We're talking 3,200 on the S&P. And then they ripped them all afternoon, and the ripping continues on here this afternoon. Despite the the president's tax returns, the market is ripping higher, and it looks like buy the dip appears to have won again. Um, a lot of stocks that were looking ugly, you know, all of a sudden turned around and we talked about Tesla and needing Tesla to hold and Tesla started the turnaround a little bit on Thursday, continued Friday and continues here this morning. So one of our leaders is back. Uh, unbelievable, but this has been a tough market to play, but buy the dip wins again. And that entire trade, right? That whole EV trade was, was, was uh, in the toilet last week we look yeah. at Tesla. wednesday thursday look like whoa you look this at tesla you also look at neo uh yeah. the big one probably shll we talked about that on the pre pre yeah. show just now but it was in the toilet and uh it turned around on a dime on a dime and that was capitulation shakeout i mean i talked about shell and i was like this is an ugly chart the stock was at 42 dollars that day it went down to 33 dollars so and then it's just turned around 
they bought the dip on all these SPACs and it looks like now, now it's up at 51. So, I mean, if you're coming here buying shell now, you're doing it absolutely backwards. Um, it's been a big pop, but you again, I, I, you know, I'll say, you know, I wasn't right on this one either. I was definitely, you know, had a, a struggle of a time trying to call the market last week. I was even tweeting about it. It's a tough market to call. Um, it's a market that, I guess if you just keep buying the dip and selling the rip, you're winning and you got to continue to do that. But I was spooked. I wasn't loading up and buying stocks. The only thing I wanted to buy was some of those lithium plays. And the one would have worked out really well, which we'll get to in a second. But buy the dip, man. I guess you just got to close your nose, even when it looks horrible. Still works. I mean, that's how it looks this morning, at least. But yeah, every time we've gotten off the bull train on the bear train, uh, these past few months, every time that's been wrong. It, it's been wrong. You cannot go you, contrarian. Okay. So that's a good point. The contrarian has been winning for the last two months and everything. If you're fading moves, you're winning. Yeah. Um, because we've seen, you know, stocks rip higher and then they pull back and then you see stocks sell off significantly and then they rally. And we've seen that in a lot of big names as well. So if you're fading, you've been trading well. And if you're not fading and you've been going with the flow and looking for sustained momentum, you're getting chopped up. So we haven't had any sustained momentum. It's been sell the rips and buy the dips again and again and again, and that continues to work. So here we are. We've ripped now for two, three days. If you're coming in now, I mean, we're up 100 S&P points from where we were two, two days ago. So it's hard to be a buyer here now. So I guess, you know, if, you, if you're over leveraged or you were buying on Thursday and Friday, I think you take this opportunity to sell some stocks. One also uh, one other way to look at it is if you zoom out for you know a few weeks or a month really we've chopped it's been a lot of chop um, maybe that's the trade until the election is just chopped I think so yeah there's so much uncertainty and I mean it's I'm actually surprised the market's up as much as it is with the negative press that Trump got on Sunday from the New York Times and maybe we should just start with that story I mean if you're you know sitting on a desert island maybe you didn't hear about it but the New York <laughs> Times getting a hold of the tax returns and apparently Donald Trump you know only paying $750 in a couple of years didn't pay any income tax right. for 10 of 15 years and everybody's you know basically you know it doesn't I, I don't think this is good for his reelection um, you know, there's going to be obviously skeptics that say, okay, uh, you know, obviously you have business losses here. And I don't, and I, I tried, that was the longest article ever. Me and my wife were both reading it. It was like an hour to read that New York times article. Like it was an hour to read it. It well, was so long. Didn't they get like 15 years worth of, of filings? Uh, yeah. I, I think they, get, they had 10, they had, they had their hands on 15 years worth of tax returns. Yeah. And so they had to kind of go through all of it. I, I, I'll, I didn't I, read it. I'll I read the I read the whole thing, and I still at the end of it, I didn't, you know, know. Are we trying to say that you know he's trying to evade taxes, or are we trying to say that he's a poor businessman? Because either way, I didn't see anything like criminal in it. It was more just the fact that he's got a lot of crappy businesses. So I don't know what they were trying to point out. Is he like a poor businessman? Are they trying to point out, or is he intentionally? Are they trying to say he's intentionally, you know? buying crappy businesses to lose money to offset his other income because that wouldn't be that smart either maybe they're so, just say that these are the facts draw your own conclusions maybe i i yeah. couldn't draw a conclusion on it but i i don't but i i can't see it helping his re-election and like i said i think wall street wants trump back in so i actually i thought that the markets could actually weaken off of that when i originally read that new york Times stuff but apparently not so the markets you know doesn't yeah. care fomo is full back 
Um, Muhammad Alarian was on CNBC this morning and he outlined it absolutely perfectly. He was saying, okay. you've got this fight between FOMO by the dip that continues to get rewarded. And then obviously a Fed that may not be as, you know, accommodative going forward, you know, in economic conditions. And there's still a pandemic around. So there's a lot of factors that are playing adversely with each other. But the buy the dip apparently is winning here again. So as traders, I guess we just go with the flow. But again, what Spencer was saying when we started the segment three minutes ago was contrarian trading is what is winning in the last month. And actually, yeah, it's really since we topped out in September, it's been the contrarian that has been buying the dip and selling the rip that has been making the money. Yeah. So we've got a couple uh, of M&A deals this morning. You want to go there first or you want to go to Novio? That's the big mover. Let's go to the big mover of the day. Yeah. Let's go to INO because it's down 33% and it looks like their vaccine is... Uh, FDA not giving it some love. Well, their, their, their uh, phase... Uh, two and three trial of their vaccine is on uh, a partial clinical hold because the FDA has said, we have questions. And so they have to pause their trial until all the FDA's questions are answered about the trial. So uh, it was halted. It resumed at 7.30. I'll pull the chart up here so you can see. Um, but so a bit of a delayed reaction there because of the trading halt. Yeah. Uh, that's your big um, mover this morning. Uh, I don't know where Novio stands as far as the race for a vaccine. I, th I think they're definitely not. Not one of the leaders. Not the front runner, no, uh, no. but still, still significant. And yeah. And the market's shrugging that off. So obviously I think that this was one of the leaders. The market would be more concerned here this morning, but it's not. Um, and the market didn't even, didn't even hesitate on this. And this news came out. The market didn't care at all. So, well, you know, we've seen vaccine news and like you were saying, this isn't, that the vaccine isn't working. It's just that right. they're asking more questions. Right. So I, I don't like any of these vaccine plays. I, if I was in this, I don't think I'd be selling at 33% down this morning. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think you do have some major support around 10 bucks. Am I coming in with new money on this? I, I'm not a big fan of any of these plays. We know that. Um, so I don't think I'm coming with new money. But if you're in this thinking, okay, eventually this one's going to be the one. I mean, it still could be the one. It still could get approved. Um, and they're getting at a discount. I mean, at 10 bucks, and maybe you find support, maybe you take a flyer, but this is speculative capital only. Yeah. Yep. Um, did AstraZeneca's trial ever, ever resume? It did, right? I think so, yeah. And obviously, we talked about the AstraZeneca, oh, and it was down like, what, what weren't we saying? I can't even remember, but it was you know, down significantly after hours when they broke that news. And I can remember I had a trade on it that I think they sold it off four or five dollars in the after hour session. I was like, this is just dumb. And this is AstraZeneca. This is a drop in the bucket. Even if their vaccine doesn't get approved, they got a lot of other good drugs. And I think I bought it after hours around in the 50 handle. And the next day it opened at like 54. So it was one of the easiest trades I've had overnight. Um, when you see these big moves and these ADRs overnight, because they're obviously not even open over in Europe, people are sleeping and then we're trading them, you know, at 7.30 at night on news when everybody's sleeping in Europe and then the real traders wake up over there and say, AstraZeneca isn't worth 10% less because their uh, COVID vaccines or their COVID trials for their right. vaccine, you know, got on hold for one person. So logic, you know, dictated that and the stock came back, obviously, but AstraZeneca has been a fade every time it's had a big move. And a lot of these stocks have been fades. Even to the downside, they've been fades when they've had big moves because it seems like, you know, even Novavax, how many sell-offs have we had and then how many rallies have we had? And the, again, the same thing, the contrarian's been winning there. I mean, 
you know, yeah, it went down from the 145 here and got down to 85, but then there was a buying opportunity, a selling opportunity. I mean, I guess you just keep, as you, you know, this thing's down 30%. If you were shorted, I'd definitely bring it in. But if you're looking yeah. for the opportunity, the fade trade has been the play. Feels like that whole trade cooled off. Like now that we're in, you know, the, we, the finalist phase, with, we got Pfizer, we got Merck, we got AstraZeneca, we got Moderna, we got J&J. Uh, mm. Seems like the whole trade is sort of quieted down here. Uh, let's go to uh, the M&A deals. A couple of downtrodden industries uh, with some deals this morning. Uh, the first will go to Devon Energy and WPX have entered into a merger of equals. So the exchange ratio here is that uh, WPX shareholders, if you own shares of WPX, you will get 0.5165 shares 0.5165 shares of Devon Energy for every share of WPX that you own. Uh, they're going to enter now and be a combined company. So that's the first one. Second deal is Cleveland Cliffs uh, is buying uh, MT for $1.4 billion. And, oh, just a portion of it, correct? I'm sorry. Yeah, just the U.S. unit. Just the U.S. Just unit. the U.S. Yeah. unit of Ursula Mattel. Yep. So that's a bigger company, I would think. Um, so, yeah, so... Energy deal, you know. Energy and steel. Out, Energy and steel. Are, are they doing this out of necessity? You know, Devon and WPX, maybe. I mean, synergies are here, and obviously, everything energy we know hasn't been in the gutter. So, you know, maybe it makes sense. Both the stocks get the pop here this morning because, okay, well, maybe we can cut some expenses here, and yep. there is some synergies there. So, it probably makes sense that they're trading higher. Am I getting all excited and buying any energy stock? No, I own. Again, you know, I run my own long-term investment portfolio and it owns almost zero energy stocks and it's going to continue to own zero energy stocks because I don't like the long-term implications here. So, and I don't own a lot of steel either. The only steel stock I own in my long-term portfolio is Nucor and it's been a dog. I've had it for like six, seven years and it's gone nowhere. It's paid me a 3% dividend through all that, but still been an absolute dog. Um, you know, a lot better than U.S. Steel or some of the other ones that went straight down. So maybe you could say it has been best of breed, but I'm not a big fan of any of these steel companies or energy companies. So we're going to find out today whether uh, the, the sentiment in a hot uh, sector prevails on a stock or whether a uh, offering will, will overtake it as far as the stock movement. Uh, Caesars here, CZR, couple headlines from them. First is that there is an offer on the table for them to acquire William Hill. They're the largest bookmaker, I believe, or sports book in, in, in the UK, one of the largest in the world. Uh, that's a $3.7 billion offer. We know sports betting has been hot of late, so there's that on the table. And there's offer also a common stock offering of 30 million shares from Caesars this morning. So we've got an offering on one hand, dilutive, that's negative. Yeah. We've got uh, an offer on the other hand for one of the largest sports books in the world. Uh, that's potentially good. Stock is up this morning. Proof. Hard to figure this one. I'll just say – Let's just take away all the fundamental stuff he just did and just talk to technicals. And we don't have Joel here today because it's a Jewish holiday, but $30 to $60 has been an incredible run in a month and a half. And everybody's on the Caesar bandwagon because sports betting, but we know the more pure plays are DraftKings and I believe Penn National. Um, at least Penn National is viewed that way. Yeah. Um, it's been a hell of a run. Is there more gas in the tank for Caesar? I don't think the story is going away, so that might be the case. And we saw, you know, them come you know, on the pen offering. We saw how quickly yeah, they came we, in to buy that thing. That was an unbelievable go, turnaround on Friday. Uh, 
because the offering, so they priced it $61 a share is when is where Penn priced their most recent offering. And how high did it get? Well, it's at 71 right now. They, they got that number and they used it as support and they ripped it higher and they didn't care. And this happened obviously on Shopify. We know Shopify did the offering back and it stayed there for about a day at the offering price and then just continued to rip. That was back when the stock was 700 and it continued higher there too. I mean, the gaming story is not going away. I own Penn. I thought about selling Penn. I was really spooked on the offering. I was mad that I didn't get out earlier and then it went down to 61. I just held through the whole thing. I'm going to hold it here now too. I do think if you get a pullback, it's probably a buying opportunity again now, but where I was saying on Friday, it might be a selling opportunity if it gets a rally, but that rally was ripping higher. So the story is just not going away. I guess you just hold your pen. I'm an LCA as well. So I'm in pen and LCA. That's how I'm playing the whole gaming thing. LCA's come back a little bit here. Um, I'm planning on holding that one. I haven't sold any of it. Um, obviously it was up at 18 and went down to 13. I wish I would have bought a little bit more when it down then when that, when they sold every SPAC in the whole world on Thursday morning and then decided to turn around and start buying them. But I think the story here doesn't go away. I like the gaming story. That's good for Caesars, but remember Caesars has a lot of physical casino operations too. So it's not a pure play at all. Yeah. I'm wondering how much of, of the sentiments at least like the short term sentiment in, in this trade has been just the fact that, We've had every single sport happening at the same time uh, for the past few months, which which you, which you obviously never get uh, because of the messed up uh, schedules. And it's went fairly well. I mean, when baseball started, right. Um, right. you know, three days in, we're like, oh man, and people are they're you know canceling games, and baseball maybe didn't do it the best way because they didn't try the bubble. Um, obviously, we had the bubble in the NHL and the NBA, which helped significantly because we never had any cases going through the NHL. But I mean, the NHL's you know. And you know, game away from you know the Stanley Cup here, so it's went very well. NBA seems to go and be going very well as well, and the NFL seems to be going pretty good too. So I mean, have we figured it out? Um, you know, obviously there was a the concern on these plays at first that you know we're going to reopen the sports and they're going to have to cancel it all. But now we get college football, Big Ten coming. I mean, it looks like sports are, are back. Obviously, we, you know we can't go to the stadiums, and that's a disappointment for the fans. But at the same time sports betting on these games the games are happening and maybe you're sitting at home and saying it's pretty exciting yeah i was just looking at it real quick to see when the nba uh bubble started and because DraftKings bottomed out on july 14th like that was the low of, of like this of this move um and that was a week before baseball came back and i'm trying to figure out when i think that was a few weeks before uh, they've been going straight up yeah. really since, oh. since sports and baseball had a few hiccups, but they've been, and, and think about how much media coverage they get. I mean, this morning they were talking about it again, it's basically every other day. It's a segment on CNBC, sports betting, sports betting, sports betting. That doesn't go away. I think that continues. And, you know, obviously the more media coverage it gets, the hotter the stocks seem to get. Um, so I, I just don't see the sports betting story going away and I like it. And that's why I'm participating in two out of the three plays that I think are more pure plays via LCA. And obviously Penn isn't a pure play, but it's viewed as a pure play. I mean, the barstool sports, um, the stock is, you know, obviously has a lot of physical casino operations as well, but it's viewed as a sports betting play and Portnoy behind it doesn't hurt. That's why I like Penn the best and the valuation on Penn versus DraftKings is way more attractive. I still love Penn. Although I talked it down on Friday and I was spooked and I almost sold it. So it goes to show you, you know, even I've been in the markets a long time and on these vicious shakeouts and offerings and stuff, 
I get shaken out too. And I almost got shaken out of my pen, which would have been a mistake. And as far as an offering thing, you know, as Joel said on Friday, because someone asked about that, you know, the pricing and the movement of the stock. I don't, sometimes this just happens, right? Sometimes they just, we will use the number as support uh, as opposed to. No, almost always. So, and you know, maybe we should have said that too. I mean, almost always they seem to balance out those offering prices. In the case of U.S. Well, Steel, when they're, do- when, when, okay, so here's the difference. This is a good, you know, even a story, you know, uh, for Benzinga to write up. There's two types of offerings. One is an offering to, you know, obviously raise capital to survive or to, you know, like we need a cushion here, like a U.S. steel that's raising capital because our, our business sucks right now. And then there's the other offering that we're raising capital because our business is firing on all cylinders and we want to raise it right now and our stock's going higher and we want to grow the business. The Penn National versus the U.S. Steel are two completely different offerings. The Penn was raising to grow the business. The U.S. Steel was raising more as a cushion to survive same thing that we've seen with the airlines obviously and a lot of the businesses that are really struggling you see offerings there those are offerings that aren't fueled for growth those are offerings that are fueled for survival so that's the big difference and shopify was the same thing that was an offering fueled for growth so buying the offerings that are fueled for growth near those offering prices tends to work more than buying the offerings that are fueled for survival like the u.s steel one so big difference between a pen offering and a U.S. Yeah. deal offering. That's just my opinion. All right, let's go to another trade that was had cooled off in this hot again this morning. The lithium trade. Uh, this one is uh, the catalyst for this morning is is potentially at least its headline. Uh, Tesla has signed a deal with Piedmont Lithium ticker PLL uh, to supply their lithium. And then Dennis remembered that someone had asked about a lithium stock on Friday. Yeah. And that stock was LAC. It was from, yeah. the, it was from the linear flash in the YouTube chat. Uh, and Dennis, you said you liked it. And then you didn't know that buy the dip always works. <laughs> I know. Uh-oh. I didn't buy hardly. I didn't buy really anything besides my day trading portfolio. I didn't buy anything in my longer term account. But I said if I was buying the dip, I like the lithium stock pullbacks, and we specifically talked about this one. And in the segment, I was like, I like this one. And you know what? I actually wrote it down. I wrote it down on like on. If I go back, I wrote this down after who was it that gave us that stock? It was linear flash in the YouTube chat. Thank you. Um, I wrote it down to actually not necessarily buy it, but to take a closer look. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, because I liked it when I talked to technicals on the show, I said, I like the $7 support. Anyways, um, the stock took off to 850 on Friday and then (laughs) it's up at 1080 now. So I was like, okay, that's all the way back. Got all the losses back in two days. So um, this was the one I remember I was asking, is this a Nevada? Because I kind of knew the company. And this was, this was a good one. And I mean, the lithium pullbacks after battery day were significant. You know, that LTHM pullback, and that's ripping higher here now. But like, look at LTHM. It's up at nine bucks here this morning, up 17%. So it's not just LAC. I still own the LTHM one, but those were the stocks that the story was still intact and it gave you a nice opportunity to buy the dip. Even ALB, which is a huge company with a huge dividend, you know, got under $80. They sold it off over 10 bucks off battery day because of Musk one comment saying that he thought they had enough supply of lithium. Yep. And they sold all those stocks off 10, 15% because of that. And that was a huge buying opportunity. And, and here we are two days later and a lot of those stocks are getting all of the losses back. Yep. So great point you just made important to understand when the story is still intact and when it's just as sure 
thing, right? Elon Musk saying he's not concerned about the supply of lithium is not, you know, going to put the end of the story. The lithium story isn't going away. I mean, if you think maybe the electric cars are going to have different means to power the batteries, but right now it's lithium. Is it not in almost every electric vehicle? Is it not lithium? Yeah. Yeah. So electric vehicles, the electrification of America is actually powered by lithium. And that's why I like the lithium story here too. And the one I own is LTHM. That was the spinoff from, and the one Jason's talked about, but that was a spinoff from, uh, who spun that off? Uh, oh, Chad, help me out here. That spun off in like 2017 or 2018 from, there was ALB and then there was yeah. two that I used to pair up together because they were both Let me lithium see if I can find it real fast. Um, Come on, chat, help me out. No, they seven IPO'd, second delay. No, they IPO'd 2018. Yeah, but it spun off. It spun off from okay, say 2018. So I had the year wrong, but okay. it did spin off from. Um, yeah, let me go back a little further. See, we'll see what I can. Find. LTHN spin off, FMC. FM. There we go. FMC. That's what it spun off from. So FMC, I used to trade as a lithium play too, but they obviously spun their lithium play out, yeah. so it doesn't trade as lithium anymore. So and now it's LTHM. So that came from FMC. LTHM. All right, we will get to tickers in the chat. Uh, ticker time at the end of the show. I'm keeping one eye on that. Uh, I want to get through uh, our list first. Let's go to Uber. Uh, it is off the highs of the pre-market. The news is they were granted a reprieve. They have a new 18-month license to operate in London. So uh, Uber is remaining in London for now. For now, for 18 Story years. is still here. That's the one thing that why Uber has kept up better than because obviously this is you know COVID one you know ground zero to a certain extent as well. People going in strangers' car with the pandemic going on, a lot less people doing that. They had the Uber Eats that helped it out, but you just think about it. Then we know that the business is suffering substantially from the pandemic. The reason this is held up better than say like Carnival Cruise Lines because that story is still loved by the market. The story of you know, obviously replacing all taxi cabs with Ubers and Lyfts. So the story is still good. And Mitch always saying story is everything. I completely agree with it. Story is everything. And the story is still there. Pandemic goes away. Uber and Lyft still have a hell of a story. That's why these stocks have held up. The Obama pullbacks, I've been spooked just because of the whole pandemic thing. But obviously, America doesn't seem to care as much about the pandemic as they did back in March or April. So maybe on pullbacks, you look at it. Yeah. So like I said, well off the pre-market high, uh, 38, 35.85 right now. We got as high as, what do we get as high as 37 something. I don't have my exact data window up, but um, so leaking here, but story more or less uh, still intact. How's Lyft doing this morning? Uh, it's playing. It's it's up a little. Lifting yeah. with it. We'll throw the pun in there for you. Uh, yeah. 2.29%. So helping a little bit. I'd say 30 though on Lyft. It's so if you look at these two and you compare them to each other, Lyft is in a clear downtrend since June. Uber's went nowhere. So Uber obviously showing a lot of relative strength compared to Lyft. I always like to go with the stock that's showing the relative strength as opposed to playing a catch-up trade. There's two types of traders. One that thinks, oh, okay, Lyft has been relatively weak. So eventually it's going to catch up. It's called a catch-up trade. That has intended to work. It's usually there's a laggard for a reason, and they usually start to continue to lag. So um, I'd rather own Uber than Lyft if you're looking at either or. But again, they're kind of both in the middle. Lyft is in a clear downtrend, so I kind of don't want to own that one. And Uber's kind of in the middle of nowhere with no trend. 
So I'd say if it gets back to 34, that's where you had a resistance before. Maybe, you know, you look at it, but you're buying the dip and selling the rip, not chasing on these two stocks. It hasn't paid to chase. Uber also gave some updates on, on Postmates, which is, you know, I uh, remember they're acquiring that. Uh, they said that Postmates' losses were narrowing. So uh, I guess that's a good thing. You can towards profitability. We know that the only, really the only part of their business doing anything right now has been Uber Eats, which is why they went out and bought Postmates. Um, but Okay, Uber, I want to talk about Amazon here. They announced this morning that Prime Day is uh, October 13th. And I always look at Prime Day, uh, and, and the 14th, actually. I always look at Prime Day as like a, a gauge on how much disposable income we, we have. Because Prime Day to me is like the definition of buy stuff you, you want just because you can, not because <laughs> you need it, just because you can buy it. So I, I'm going to be very curious to see what what Amazon does this year in terms of Prime Day sales, because I don't know. The, I, I guess the, the data is showing that, that the consumer is strong uh, or stronger than than a few months ago, thanks to stimulus and all sorts of factors. I mean, some jobs are coming back here, but I am very curious to see if Prime Day sales this year stack up to, to previous years, because to me, Prime Day is the definition of, I'm going to buy this thing because I can buy it and it's cheaper, not because I, I need to buy it. I don't know. I still own Amazon. I still love Amazon. I gave a lot of hate to the market last week, but I did give love to Amazon. Um, I said, I'm not selling this one. If I didn't own any Amazon, I would be buying it when it was down to 2,900. It's up at 3,163. If you're coming and buying it now, again, you're doing it backwards. Two days ago, you had this under 3,000. Now it just ran 6% and you're going to probably run into resistance at 3,200. So you're probably 30 or 40 points if you're a trader away from major resistance at 3,200 where it struggled before, before it ended up breaking out in August. Um, so clear technical resistance is well-defined. Again, though, I think long-term, the reason I'm holding this is I think Amazon is eventually $5,000, maybe $6,000 a share. I think long-term, Amazon's going to continue to go higher. It's not going away. People are going to continue to buy more things on Amazon. They continue to dominate every single type of business on the face of the earth, it seems like. So Bezos, genius, Amazon price continues to go higher in the long run. Short run, I'd, I'd wait for a pullback now. Aren't you surprised we hadn't heard anything about the Amazon J.P. Morgan Berkshire uh, healthcare company venture thing in a while? I, I would have felt like in the pandemic, we would have heard something about that. But haven't heard a headline about Amazon's healthcare ventures in, in quite some time. That's, yeah. Well, again, they get into everything. So eventually yeah. you probably will hear about that. Yeah. That's you got true. a business, Amazon's after you. Yep. All right. Uh, 8.30, we'll bring Krishna Feinhertz on in a few minutes here. I want to go to a couple of ratings on our radar. Uh, first one is Space Virgin Galactic. Yeah. Upgraded this morning. Not upgraded. Initiated this morning uh, at a buy. Let me find the rating here in the pro. I just oh, There we go. Uh, Bank America uh, initiated uh, Virgin Galactic at a buy. Didn't get a $35 price target. That is a new street high. I actually went upstairs after I, I came down early this morning and then I saw this and I went upstairs and I changed my shirt just for you guys. And look, I put on the space shirt just, just for SPCE. <laughs> I put on my space shirt just for you guys and bank of America. Give you some love. I'm long space. I'm still long space. This is a speculative position. It's a stock that I was way up in. I bought this and I'm averaging in the 17 handle 
It ran to 27. I thought it was a hero. It came back to 16. I thought it was a zero. It's still <laughs> kind of a zero because I haven't made anything on it now. And I watched all my gains go away. I still think there's a story here eventually. I do think there's a story here eventually. It takes an analyst to kickstart it. Does this kickstart over 18 is the question because 18 is a major resistance point. Last time it got a little bit of love, it hit 18 and failed. Bank of America has a lot more love. There's not a lot of analysts that cover this. No. I think there's still a story here. So I like it. I'm sticking with it. But if I had it for a trade, I'd be skeptical at that 18 resistance. But it's in the long term, speculative portfolio. I'm going to try to hold on. I should add, I don't own this directly, but I do own a little bit, just a little bit of, of UFO. So um, and it has that and in there. This has what else is in UFO? So there's some space in there. Uh, that ETF. Yeah, I can look real Maybe quick. I should go look at that because I like the whole space trade too. Let's go look. UFO holding. It's got Garmin. What else does it have in it? Here we go. Um, uh, top holdings oh, are Maxar, M-A-X-R. Oh, yeah, Maxar. I forgot about that Trimble, one. That's a good one. TRMB. It's got Garmin, like I said. What about um, this Maxar chart? Yeah, M-A-X-R. It's, it's fun to look through the ETF sometimes because you get another idea. And then I bring up a chart and I was like, oh, Maxar is pulled back. And I don't think this one's going away either. Um, I kind of like this Maxar on the pullback. I mean, you know, obviously it's a stock that went, you know, 2018 was way overdone when it came out $64 and obviously got way overdone when it got down to $3 in March when they thought everything was going to zero, including myself. Um, now it's up to 25. It's had a nice run, but you know what? Consolidation station here. You got support well-defined. 22 would be my out if I'm buying this here. I don't mind this around 25 bucks. Let's see if we can get up over 25 and hold it. Gets up over that 25 and holds it. Maybe Max could challenge those highs again. Satellites, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the whole space story, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. I think it's all Max R Technologies. That's yeah. exactly what they're into. I believe you're correct with the satellites, but they're also oh, yeah. space technology, yeah. specialized in manufacturing, communication, Earth observation radar, on orbit ser- servicing satellites, satellite products, and related services. It's satellites and everything related to satellites. All right. There I we- think satellites are going away. <laughs> I'm going to say right now, I don't think satellites are going away. That's a hot take right there. Yeah. Uh, a couple more ratings on our radar. Um, Plug Power, PLUG, upgraded and Morgan Stanley this morning to overweight. Even get a $14 price target. Um, it's been and- sleepy for, and does it kickstart it? I think so. Uh, this could be one that, okay, gets excited off the bat. Everybody's like, oh, it's up 6 7%. Then it pulls back maybe. Maybe the market pulls back a little bit, gets overexcited. Get this back down to 12 bucks. Today, I think I take a shot. Um, I'd stop myself out overall 10.56 low back from September the 4th if I was in it. That would be where my line in the sand is. Even call it 10 bucks if you want to because that's where you broke up from. But it's held that fairly well. I mean, I know we know Ballard Power trades with this. These two just tend to go together. And Ballard Power has found some great support around 14 too. So I don't think the story's dead. I don't think the story's over here yet. So it's kind of interesting. So on pullbacks here, again, same story here. The stocks are way up this morning, some of these. But on pullbacks, you know, and you're going to get another pullback. Don't kid yourself. This market just provides pullbacks. It seems like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of them out there. So I think you'll get another pullback here. But 12 bucks on plug, kind of like it. All right. Uh, I want to get Christian Feinberg here on in a second. Christian, if we could see you, that would be awesome. But if we can hear you, that'll, that'll work just as well. Uh, I don't see a camera, but I think we can hear you, Christian. Good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning, guys. How's it going? We can hear you. It's going well. Christian Feinberg is the founder and CEO of Tribeca Trade Group. 
uh, former uh, director of, uh, of ETF trading at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Uh, Christian, you've been watching this market just as we have been. Um, what do you make of this morning's action? It, it, there's no, doesn't seem to be any real reason beyond just market technicals uh, for the rally here this morning, but what do you make of this? Right, and yeah, welcome to, you know, uh, gap up Monday, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I mean, don't we always gap up on Monday? I don't <laughs> want to stop you here, Christian. It seems like it's like Groundhog Day around here. No matter what, even when the market's pulling back, it seems like Monday is always a good day for the markets, isn't it? Monday morning? It, I mean, it does. I think last week was, I, I don't know the, I think there was a streak that was going on. And I think it was broken last Monday where, you know, Basically, just as you said, you know, every, you know, it didn't matter what the price action looked like on Thursday or Friday for a number of weeks. We would just come in and Monday would, would be nice, would be, would be a nice gap up. So, yeah, I mean, what, so what do I make of it? I, I think that last week, which got a lot of attention as, as, as it should, I think is, was the weakest week of the year in terms of seasonality. And, um, we started to kind of come out of that. I think, you know, we've been down, you know, the S and P has been down for four weeks in a row. So uh, the seasonality factor has kind of lived up to the hype. The weakest week of the year has lived up to the hype. And now I think we've got a nice little relief balance, uh, relief balance. I also think the dollar was an issue too last week. Uh, the U S dollar was really strong. I actually saw a lot of volume that went into the UUP ETF. So that kind of got some attention. And if you look at that, if you look at what the dollar is doing this morning, it's down about a half a percent. So, you know, we got a lot of factors this morning and you guys have, you know, went over a lot of these movers, of course, right. Coming into Monday when everything starts moving, you get all these analyst notes out too, but I think it's a combination of factors. So, this is an interesting market overall. I just want to know how Christian Fromhertz has been playing it. I mean, it looked like last Wednesday or Thursday, I think it was, that, oh, it's getting ugly here. Tesla's breaking down. We've got the SPACs. The SPAC attack has turned to a train wreck. And then just like on, on a dime, like they started buying them Thursday afternoon. They've kept buying them Friday, and they've kept buying them today. And I look at something like Tortoise Acquisition, Acquisition SHLL, going from 33 to 51. I mean, it's unbelievable how quickly the buy the dippers come in and then they just continue to come in for two days. And a lot of these stocks got their, all their losses back. Yeah. I mean, I think too, we, you know, we finally saw, I think it was on, what was it Wednesday or Thursday where we had a pretty strong down day and it felt like, you know, the, like the tick index was at an extreme. I always look for confirmation. I'm always looking for things to say, okay, you know, especially after, you know, we basically went, you know, four weeks we had a decline and I'm kind of looking for things like, you know, the put call ratio to get extreme for sentiment to get extreme. And we never really got any, any of those things to get like really crazy extreme until about that Wednesday or Thursday when, when the tick index kind of went to an extreme, I was like, okay, well that's something. And it seemed like it kind of lined up by the end of the week that things were kind of getting a little bit to the washed outside that we could see a nice relief bounce. Now, I think the question and, and maybe, you know, question kind of throw back to you is, you know, now we have, we've got this election overhang on us. And I think, and I wanted to see if you agree with this too, is probably what we're going to see here is, you know, now that we're kind of out of that weakest week is probably some nice little rallies in here, but probably we're, I think it's going to be a choppy market you know, until we get through the election, but it should be a pretty good trading environment too. I think you're going to get a chance to kind of buy that dip and then 
also at the same time, I think you want to be, you know, a good manager of things and be able to kind of sell the rip too. I, I think that's been working for the last month and I agree with you. I think going forward here and Spencer was actually alluding to that too. Um, we've got a lot of unknowns come in and you've got a big battle between the bulls and the bears. Obviously the bears stating a lot of the cases, the uncertainty of the election, the pandemic still going on and valuations aren't overall cheap, but then you have the bulls saying, you know, here we got an accommodative fed that doesn't appear to be going away anytime soon. Right, and right. you've got stocks. That's the only ticket in town. So, I mean, there's those two things that have been battling each other here for a while. And, you know, obviously when we're under 3000 S&P, you know, stocks were maybe attractively because they were a little bit more on the cheaper side. So it's tough. I mean, I was saying last week, I'm like, this is a very tough market to call. And I said on the show out more than seven minutes, it seems like this is a really tough market to call. You can go with the flow and as day traders, but as, you know, swing traders, you can really get chopped up here. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, th I think you, you really want to be tactical and, and, you know, in what you're doing and, and, you know, make sure that you're, that you do kind of stay active, right? And, and, you know, selling into strength, I think is going to be a big thing, you know, in the, in the next few weeks, just so that you don't kind of get hit. And I think we, we saw that, you know, the last couple of weeks, it was like, hey, we might be actually turning the corner. And then boop, you know, all of a sudden, we would kind of see a move to the to the downside. Can I share my screen and go? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, show us what you got. Sorry, no camera. Sorry. That's okay. But the screen would be awesome. We <laughs> love seeing Christian. Monday morning, I'll give you a pass. All right, let's see what we got here. <laughs> All right, so so just the S and P chart, which is kind of where I, I always start. But you know, this this was I thought this was a tell as well last week. You know, I've got what's called virgin point of controls on my on my chart. Um, I very much look at uh, what's known as as volume at price. So you know, putting the volume not only on the bottom of your chart, but you know, uh, on your on your screen on the top part of your screen too. So I thought that that was a good tell. Um, you know, and then we started to see a little bit of some positive price action, you know, in some things that were kind of holding up last week. Um, I wanted to just share with you just a couple of tickers that I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah, this morning. yeah, for sure. Well, well you guys actually, you, you mentioned Amazon, right? I mm -hmm. think that um, to put to things in perspective, and I do like when you say, hey, you're doing it wrong if you're coming in and buying this morning, which I, I agree with to, to some extent, but I also think that now you've got a catalyst, right? So we've got this October 13th, 14th. And if you look back to what Tesla did last week, right? It's the old, you know, I think old age, you want to buy these things into the event yeah, and then get rid of them like on the event, right? It's yeah. buy, buy the rumor, sell the news. Yeah. Uh, and I think this can continue to rally. I don't think we've got that much of a move from the lows where, um, but but I again I would be tactical and I would be patient and say you know this week if we happen to get any type of dip I think that's the one you're striking on. What's that? That would be the stock you're striking on if you get yeah a dip. absolutely and you know I I love when when we do have uh, you know when when we do have these catalyst events like a battery day or something like that but you got to be smart about it and you got to say okay you know I'm going to be selling as we get closer and you know maybe even before the day. I don't know. I don't know why they have two days. It's the thirteenth and fourteenth, but I think comfortably. Because they can, Christian. Because what's they, that? Because they can. Because they're Amazon. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're that big of a company. Yeah. But but I think to the upside, you know, three two two seven would be a, a place to take a target, and then kind of see how it handles this this particular level. Um, and then, you know, maybe it continues to kind of run ev even further. Um, I don't know why, 
that a stock like Amazon, you know, if we've looked at what happened with FedEx and their earnings, um, UPS got a nice upgrade this morning too, which I'm, I'm long, which I got a little bit lucky with. Um, I thought that that was a nice technical setup that was building. Um, last week, I actually got into it last in the beginning of last week, got frustrated because it failed and sold my position. And then, um, and then I got back into it on Friday because it finally made this, this next like higher. But, you know, I think that's, it's a good name to kind of own into this event because you've seen things like FedEx and, and UPS getting an upgrade and this UPS chart looks pretty good, I think. What about ARKW here? I saw you tweeting about that on, it was either Friday or Saturday, and you said you, you like the bullish shit up in ARKW. Uh, this is one that I own as well. Uh, what are you seeing here? What's in it, this, first of all, before you guys do a technical <laughs> on it? I sure. See. Great, great I've, question. I've never traded next generation internet ETF, but maybe I'll put it in my watch list. What's in it? I will tell you. This is, yeah, go ahead. This is Kathy Wood, one of her ETFs. Oh, uh, this is Kathy. Okay. Largest holding is Tesla, followed by Roku and Square. Oh, this is ARK. I'm, I'm trying to ARK. Obviously, yeah, I, yeah. I, just, I just looked at ARK. Yeah, so ARK Next yeah. Generation. I was looking at ARKW, and then yeah. this is ARK. So that makes sense. So, so it's Tesla, Roku, Square are the top three holdings. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, like a couple things here. I, it's, I think it's tough to, to look at the technicals. It, it is an actively managed fund. They do trade around their names and so forth. So it's a little bit tough to, to kind of look at the technicals and something that changes that much. But it's a theme. Um, and number two, it's a nice way, like if you're scared a little bit or, or, or a little bit apprehensive about buying Tesla, you can kind of do it in an under the radar type play and know that she's kind of, you know, she's obviously a, knows Tesla very well. But, you know, if I would say if we look at the technicals here, there, there wasn't a, like a bunch of things that, um, you know, a bunch of sectors and smaller areas of the market that jumped off the page to me last week, but this was one of them. Um, I also like software and I also like, you know, solar stocks were really strong as well last week, but yeah, I mean, this chart looks really nice. I like when a name or, or a group of stocks consolidate while, while the rest of the market is going down, right? So nice relative strength in this group of stocks. And of course, I think what a lot of retail investors do too is they comb through the components and say, hey, well, if Kathy Woods, you know, if she believes in it, you know, I can look at a Roku or I can look at a Tesla too. But I like how the whole group of stocks is, is working right now. Yeah. Uh, Christian, anything that you're not liking right now? And, and maybe I'll refer yeah. anything that has developed in the past couple of weeks that you're not liking? Yeah, I don't, I don't like the overall breadth. Uh, I don't like, um, if I could show another chart, I know that you guys aren't going to, you might not like this, but. Um, we like everything. <laughs> Let's, so the advanced decline line, that troubles me. Uh, and, you know, you started to get concerned because this, this really broke down in February and March. And, um, and it started to kind of move to this way as well, you know, slide down as well. So what troubles me is, yeah, we are seeing a lot of stocks kind of break down a little bit further than I thought that they would do. Mm -hmm. um, the regional banks, I think that uh, a trade, is, you know, can be with the regional banks is to kind of just uh, short any strength, 
Um, I think they've broken, they've broken below value, which I have on my, my charts, which is a sell signal. Um, yeah. And then of course the, the energy stocks too. So these are two areas that I really haven't wanted to be a part of because I'm more, more or less a trend trader. So anything I stick to uptrends, I don't want to buy anything in, in downtrends uh, unless it's for a quick trade. But I think these are two areas that just, they look very sick to me and it's troublesome how far these energy stocks I mean, where, you know, where could they go back to the, the lows back in March? Um, I don't think that that's a, that's a crazy, um, you know, conclusion to draw out here, but this just does not look like a healthy place to be in right now. Christian, I just want to stop you there. And obviously, you know, you talk about trend trading here and I've been in the markets for 21 years and I've changed my ways to go right with what you're saying as I sell the weak and buy the strong, what's it going to take? for me and you to go back to like buying stocks that are weak, you know, and this worked, you know, years ago, contrarian, you have different markets that do and contrarian trading can work, but um, it has been a market that, you know, if you've been buying the dogs, you have not been rewarded for the last decade, really. And if you've been buying the stocks that are strong, the strong get stronger and the weak get weaker, what's it gonna take to reverse that? When does value, when do these banks, when do these energy trades, you know, when do these laggard sectors actually turn it around or do they ever? Because it's a market that everybody's been rewarded in the same way me and you have. I buy those stocks and I get punished for doing it, so I don't buy them anymore. So, and the markets had the same thing. You know, every time you try to call a bottom on Wells Fargo, it just goes lower and you get punished for it. What's it gonna take to turn that around? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, and and it's an I don't have an answer to that. And, and <laughs> it may I, not. <laughs> and I do stick because listen, I do stick to that trend philosophy. And I do one too. of the one of the things with trend trading is we never know how long a trend is going to last. Mm -hmm. So there's no way I'm going to stick my neck out and say, hey, energy or or the banks. I really don't have a catalyst. Other, you know, maybe if interest rates. I did want to show this one chart of TLT. This oh, yeah. TLT is <laughs> getting really. <laughs> Grab your charts back because I, I took them back. Oh, I, oh, hey, that's not cool. No, yeah. just... <laughs> Spencer. I just got to get some uh, variety up there. So, all right. So, all right. There, there we... so, so TLT, right? Interesting because nothing has gone on with bonds over the last month, right? You would think like, okay, the market's pulling back. Bonds, are, there's going to be a, uh, inflows and money pouring back into bonds. This has not moved. And what I want to jump to is what this value area looks like for October. Look how slim this thing is, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that we're going to be getting a, a decent move in bonds. I Again, I'm not a fan of the banks, but if they were going to move on something, uh, like a contrarian area, and, and I'm not jumping into a trade yet. I'm going to let price be my be my signal and be my trigger. But if bonds start to break down, and, and an area that I would be watching for next month, uh, which we're only a couple of days away to October, but right around like 163, and if you want a little bit of confirmation below that 162, if they start to break down and rates start to start to climb that could be a catalyst but still it would be like hey I, I would look for something like you know the strongest of the of the strongest banks but i think that's even going to be tough but i would keep an eye on this tlt because you know a lot of areas of the market will move based on what rates are doing and it looks like it's starting to get kind of coiled up that way and i think a decent move could be coming in october all right, Krishna Farmhertz is the founder and CEO of Tribeca Trade Group, joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. Christian, thank you so much for the time today, and uh, I guess good luck, and let us know <laughs> how you trade around this election. We'll have to cool. get back on after that.
Thanks, guys. A pleasure as always. Thanks, Chris. All right. Uh, 8.51 here. Dennis, let's wrap up the show with some tickers from our chat. Uh, sure. I saw Penn get mentioned early on. We already just discussed that one. I'll so do I, it again. I don't know if we need to. Okay. I own it. Um, I almost shook out of it Thursday. Obviously, the offering ticked me off because I watched the stock go from 75 down and then the price is 61. And, um, and we know how to rip and rally ahead of it. And always wait. I'm just going to say again, wait till the offering is out there so you know where it is. The ARBs came in and they said, we know where the offering price is. We think we're safe at 61. And they started buying and they never stopped buying on Friday all day. So now the offering is completely old news. Again, uh, what I said earlier is they're raising money to grow the company, though, which is the good reason to raise money. And the market is viewing it that way. We still have the Portnoy uh, story here intact. And we still have the uh, sports gambling story intact and online gambling. So I like Penn. All right, Target. I'm looking at Target for a, for a minute. Uh, wow. Wow. That's it's been moving and I screwed this one up royally. So I bought this stock back at a hundred bucks after a disappointing earnings report. This was back in the early summer. And I was like, I'm going to hold on to this target. Cause I think eventually it's going to continue to move. It ran to 120 in about a month. And I was like, okay, 20% a month is too much in target. And I sold it and now it's 156. So I guess the story is don't look at your long-term portfolio, put it in there, leave it in there. Um, the stock actually from a technical basis is looking rounding here right now. It looks like it's ready to break out again and we're almost at new high. So the target story continues to fire on most cylinders, maybe not as much as Costco or Amazon, but a lot of cylinders still going there at target and the stocks at all time highs. I like it. Uh, I was in target about a month ago and I, to buy a Nintendo switch. So I, I just want to go to Nintendo real fast. The ticker was NT It's over the counter. Um, they, they said that they, they, they cannot keep these things on the shelves. The gaming like, tray. Like, they get a shipment and they're gone within like a few days. They're just gone, all of them. So, I mean, we don't give Nintendo any love on the show because obviously it trades as an ADR over here and, you know, it's not active market. But, I mean, the stock has been an unbelievable stock too. $20 back in 2016. I tried, Dennis. I tried for like four months. Four months I couldn't get one. It was insane. This is the gaming story is still, and like I was saying, on the pullbacks too, I'd be buying the gaming plays and Nintendo's Nintendo's run kind of, you know, obviously the valuation is not extreme. It's still trading like 20 times earnings, only Nintendo with a 1.4% dividend. So, um, you know, the value is actually still there too, but, you know, I own Take-Two, I own EA, I own Glue Mobile. I sold my Activision Blizzard just because I thought it had run too much. It's right where I sold it. I sold right around this $80 or 81 um and obviously the other big play there um well zynga you could say is another play too the big three are atbi ea and take two and i own two of the three so i got a lot of exposure already but i like the gaming exposure i don't think it's going away i don't think the story's over uh back to the chat what about zoom is that moving this what a move i mean this stock sold off so significantly early September and it just doesn't stop. And it's the story. The story is continuing to carry. And every time you think the story, okay, story's cooling off that the story just gets hot again. Valuation's insane. Obviously this is, you know, going to, well, not as obvious, but eventually I think the valuation comes in, but the story is still intact to short it now is partial suicide because people just, you know, believe in the zoom story and, you know, we use it every day. The product is awesome. I just can't bring myself to pay. What's the market cap on this thing right now? Like, what is it? So I trade it, and you can trade it long. It's almost but, 100 billion. 
it's it, yeah it's it's nuts so it's not worth 100 billion it is right now i don't think it is five years from now i think it's 141 billion i think oh. zoom when we look at this five years from now is worth like 30 billion i do believe that 35 i'm not joking i think the stock could fall five years from now down to like 100 bucks but right now the story is completely intact the trend is your friend. Yeah, stand this thing could go to a thousand before then. I mean, where are we? You know, this is 1999 valuation, but are we in 1997 in Zoom or in 1998? We have two more years of insanity. That's always the question. That's, that's well, that's a big question. I yeah. mean, that's the, 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 there's no value here whatsoever. But the growth is there. The story is there. It, you can't be bearish here. So even if you think the stock's going down five years from now, you could get killed in the meantime. So I'm not going to short it. And, um, and, from, and the trend's your friend. So take your Jeff Mackey purple crayon. It's a little bit of a steep one, but you draw that. And when the trend does eventually break, maybe that's when you get out. I mean, look at what happened before in early September. The stock got overdone after the earnings, filled most of the earnings gap, put a little tidy double bottom in a 350, but the trend was still intact. Came right back to trend line and then has continued to hold it. So even as other stocks have broke trend, this stock didn't break trend, and that's good news. So I can't argue with you if you're long Zoom here still. I just say don't forget about it. Don't let it break trend. Yeah. If it starts to break trend, then I would get out. But this thing, sky's the limit as long as the story is intact. All so right, uh, just don't forget about it. Let's look at JP Morgan here. If you want to read about the, uh, the record $1 billion uh, fine they're going to have to pay for the market manipulation and spoofing in their metals market or in their metals trading desk. There's a really good article in Bloomberg about uh, that and just how they basically how they did this for the last 10, 15 years and, and how they how the government is saying they manipulated the metals markets, but uh, nothing to do with the stock here, but want to recommend that I read on Bloomberg about, about their metals trading desk and, and what they're doing and what, what was behind the billion dollar fine they just got uh, last week. But JPM, the stock here, Dennis, what do you think? If I owned any bank, it would be JP Morgan. Yeah. It would be the one. It's found support down here at 92. It's held up better than all the rest. It's got a 3.78% dividend. I believe in Jamie Dimon. I believe JP Morgan is best of breed. I don't want to own any banks. Maybe with the TLT, like, like Christian was saying, maybe if we get a rise in interest rates, maybe the banks start to show some life, but they've been just awful for so long. I do like JP Morgan. If I was getting any bank exposure, it would be through with JP Morgan. So if you got to buy a bank, I think this is the one. What do you think Jamie Dimon is worth to the stock? Like he's 60, a lot. He, he's 64 years old. A lot. So, you know, what if if he retired or if yeah. he you know obviously had some health issues there and you saw the stock get slammed when he was worried he had some health issues there for yeah. you know i think a year ago or two years ago when that was no ah, that was like that was like six months ago okay anyways i can't i don't know yeah. the years fly by <laughs> kids you don't I, even know I'm year six months year three years all feels the uh, same to me time is a contract contract it's all fake uh anyway jamie it's all Dyson, fake yeah. I like J.P. Morgan, and he, he is worth a lot to the stock. There's no doubt. I mean, we can argue the same with Warren Buffett to Berkshire. I mean, you know, yeah. Warren Buffett. You know, how old is Buffett now? 85? I mean. Oh, he's, he's – Is he 90? Isn't he 90? He's how a, old – We always ask you. 90. How old – His birthday. Is Warren – Did you he's look 90. it up already? He's 90. 90. I mean, it's the one thing to consider. Berkshire trades with a Buffett premium in there. And, you know, Buffett's not going to be around forever. You know, he drank a lot of Cokes. He seems to be fairly healthy. And Coke <laughs> has maybe propelled him to 90 years old. But, you know, you know what the life expectancy of like a nine, healthy 90-year-old is? It's no. like 93. <laughs> so it's tough. I mean, you're fighting, you're fighting time. Look that up, life expectancy. As you get over 90, it's like you're a perfectly healthy 90-year-old and your life expectancy is only like a few years. 
that kind of sucks if you're 90. So I just, you know, there is a Buffett premium in there. I love Warren Buffett. I want him here forever. We all want him here forever. I've learned so much. I read the Warren Buffett way. It was one of my first investment books ever. I mean, he's done so many fabulous things and he's still got it. I mean, and he's still, obviously you can say, oh, he sold all the airlines at a bad price, but they haven't really gone anywhere. And he's trying to adjust even to the new environment there. So I love Warren Buffett. I wish he could be around forever, but there is that premium in Warren Buffett. If he does eventually, um, you know, get sick or, or die, I think that premium comes out. Speaking of investing books, uh, I want to make mention of the fact that we are uh, doing this trying new thing where we are reviewing uh, trading slash investing books on our YouTube channel. Uh, the first video is going live today at noon. Uh, it's uh, with a trader and we're reviewing uh, the book Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. We're, uh, the video Fun. of the, the, re- the review of chapter one of that book is going up today. Uh, it's interviewing an interview with a trader, just talking through the first chapter of that book, Trading in the Zone by Mark Douglas. And we're going to do that on, I think, a weekly or biweekly basis. So if you have any uh, trading uh, or investment books, uh, I mean, there are a lot. But if you have a favorite, drop them in the chat. We'll throw them on our list of books to get to eventually. Uh, um, I haven't read the book, yeah. but I like the title. And I will say that I am trading my best when I'm not taking any time off. If I take, like I always, I take Friday night off. Typically I quit around 5.30. So that's that's taking the night off for me because I'm not trading the last two and a half hours of the after hour session. I come in Monday morning, yeah. I feel a little bit lost. I didn't see the entire after hour session in the equities and it gets you in the zone. And like by Thursday, I'm usually firing on all cylinders. I haven't missed a beat. I haven't missed anything. Right. So I'm in the zone when I'm informed and when I'm watching every story and getting a feel for what's hot, what's not and buying what's hot and shorting what's not. And it's all about being in the zone. And, you know, if you want to be successful in this business, you got to put your time in. You can't be, okay, I'm going to trade for 20 minutes. I'm going to screw off for two days and I'll come in and trade for 20 minutes. That's a recipe for disaster. It's all about being in the zone. And I'm not sure if that's what's in the book or not. Um, but, you know, it sounds like an interesting book um, because that title says it all. It's all about being in the zone. I want to preview tomorrow's show. We have a pair of guests. Our first guest is Bill Baruch from Blue Line Futures. Uh, he'll be on at 8.35. And then we have a 9 o'clock guest you may have heard of. His name is Andrew Left. He's from Citron Research. Nice. He will be on our show tomorrow at 9, uh, talking about SPACs uh, and whatever else is on our mind, quite frankly. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. Dennis, I'm sure you want to hang I'll around. stick for around that. for Andrew. Yeah. We've had him on a few times. Andrew's a great guest. We have had him on. Uh, it's been, I think, almost a year since we had him on. But, uh, yep, so he'll be on tomorrow at 9. He's uh, one so smart cookie. Looking forward to that. Uh, if you missed any part of this show, you can catch the replay on YouTube or catch our podcast. It's on all the major podcast platforms. Any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, email us, premarket at benzinga.com. Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice we'll be back with you uh tomorrow morning until then everyone have a great rest of your day save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.